بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ورسلی علی رسوله الكریم اما بعد تو سٹارٹ آف دس پروگرام اف اینی بڈی ہیز اینی کوشچن بٹ اوبیسلی دا کوشچن سم تھنگ ریلیٹنگ ان ٹرمز آف اور اسلاح اور اسپرچل ریکٹیفیکیشن As far as Masail etc. concerned, MashaAllah, all of my kirama here, even other questions too. But just for general benefit, if there's something that we can shed some light on, otherwise we'll refer it back to them. So, if anybody has any question to ask in terms of Islam, Tazkiyah, inshaAllah we'll take a few questions before then proceeding. Many times people are confronted with the situation that Mawlana asked was that many people are faced with this situation in the workplace elsewhere that they are forced to interact with non-mahrams forced to interact with strange women and what is the way to conduct oneself in this situation how to save oneself from getting involved in any sin, any haram this is a very crucial question it comes to the root of many many things As an introduction to this issue, our Shaykh Hazrat Mawashah Hakim Mawadakhtar Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi, when he was around in his late 70s, so at that time he had published one small little booklet, small booklet, pocket size. Many, many of his kitabs had already been published, very voluminous, and all his mawais, etc., hundreds of them in fact maybe Allah knows best more than a thousand too and so many kitabs that he had written himself are now still getting published but at that stage of his life around late 70s he published one small pocket size booklet titled Char Amal Four Actions and at that time Hazrat used to say and for a considerable amount of time after he had just had this booklet published in every majlis and in Karachi there's three majlis in the day used to be at the time even now the Muhammad Sahib Dhan Barakatum used to be one morning majlis then one majlis after Asar and then one after Isha and without fail in every majlis three times a day and this was ongoing for a long time then Afterwards, it subsided to a point. In every Majlis, Hazrat will have either Hazrat Mirsa, Rahmatullah or somebody else to repeat these char amal, these four actions. At the end of the Majlis, he'll call him up to give the summary of it. Now, can you imagine three times a day and almost every day this is happening, how many times? And the Hazrat himself, while he was still well, he will give, at that time he was already a little ill, but he would still speak on the same thing. the whole and he would say that this is the crux of my lifetime's teaching at the age of 
77, 78, whoever he was. He says, this is the crux of my lifetime's teaching. That if a person gets these four things in his life, then inshallah, other things will become very easy. Not easy, but very easy. Now, outwardly, the link sometimes is difficult for us to make. Like we go out in Jamaat, we learn the six points. Now, some people have some kind of objection that well, Deen only got six things in Deen. But it's not there's only six things in Deen. But it is that these six points are such that a person brings these six points in his life, then inshallah the rest of Deen becomes very easy. Now likewise, I say that this is my experience. This is my experience that a person brings these four things in his life, other things will then be smooth sailing. And he used to say that the two particular things that we will discuss now, that in my view, this is the shortcut to Wilayat in this Damana. The shortcut to gaining the friendship of Allah Ta'ala in this time and age is these aspects. So now this booklet that he had published for action is still available, it's on the Khanqa website, etc. So there are four things mentioned in there. The four things, two external things and the other two aspects, well we may say internal. The two external things others used to emphasize on, one is a first length beard. And he used to give all the details of it, etc. They're not to trim or cut the beard to below that. And the other is always having the garments above the ankles. Whether it is a long kurta, whether it is a pant or trouser or whatever it is, always ensure that it is above the ankles for males. And all the dalail and all the proofs from the ahadith, etc., from the ayat of the Quran Sharif, all these are quoted there. That why is this so important? Nabi Salaam's emphasis on it and how much he how much of stress he laid on it and his reprimand for those who go against this, etc., all that is described there. So these were the two external things. And the other two things, which others used to say is the shortcut to wilayat in this zamana. Obviously, this doesn't mean now that a person is not going to perform salah, he's not going to fulfill other laws of deen, he'll carry on with other sins, but this only he'll do. If he does these things, inshallah, to a greater extent, he'll bring the other things in his life. As you say, look after the eyes and look after the heart. A person who in this zamana looks after his gaze and his heart, then I'll say this is a shortcut to Ilayat. Inshallah, the other things will fall in very easily. Because this will create a super consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. And now when a person is forever conscious of Allah Ta'ala, because this is the greatest test of this zamana, this is the greatest test that people face, whether in the workplace, whether out on the street, whether in homes, whether in family functions, and anywhere and everywhere. So if a person looks after his gaze and looks after his heart, and the gaze is the doorway to the heart, the gaze is a, not just the doorway, it's like a super highway. Whatever the eyes see becomes photographed onto the heart. So now, this is the test now. Now a person, in the backdrop of this introduction, the question that was asked now, people are in the workplace and they are confronted with the situation that they have to interact with non-mahrams, etc. So the issue is that the first thing is to understand that we will not compromise our deen for dunya. We will always give priority to our deen, 
and within the limits of deen then we'll have to make adjustments in our dunya now in terms of interaction with non-mahrams one is the level where there is some kind of seclusion whether it is an office whether it is any situation where there is some kind of seclusion with a non-mahram sometimes a person part of his work now he has to travel from point to point and work related travel now in that there is some other female that is also now his colleague at work and now she has to travel with him now the two of them are alone in that car so Nabi Islam says when a strange man and woman are in seclusion the third present is shaitan one person saw shaitan whether it was in a wakeful state in a dream and in that conversation shaitan said that if I get an opportunity of a person of the caliber of Hassan Basri rahmatullahi not necessarily him himself in person but somebody who is of that caliber a man of the caliber of Hassan Basri rahmatullahi and a woman of the caliber of Rabia Basriya rahmatullahi and if I find them in seclusion I won't be despondent or I won't lose hope of getting them also involved in sin I will have a good hope that I will be able to get them also involved in sin after all when Nabi Islam has stated so clearly that when a strange man and woman strange meaning that they are not mahrams then the third present is shaitan and this is shaitan's full time job to create fitna, to create problems when Allah Ta'ala has clearly declared in the Quran Sharif قُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغُضُّوا مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ وَيَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ ذَلِكَ أَزْكَى لَهُمْ That say to the believing men to lower their gazes and immediately thereafter Allah Ta'ala says and to protect their chastity protect their private parts and this is purer for them Now this command of Allah Ta'ala is in the male gender it's addressed in the male gender and the whole Quran Sharif is filled in this manner where the commands of Allah Ta'ala in the male gender and everybody is referred to men, women, everybody is addressed in that male gender in terms of the commands but when it comes to this particular command after having addressed the men separately Allah Ta'ala addresses the woman and say to the believing woman that list maybe in the 20th century some woman would come and they would say, no, no, this is addressed to the men only. The women are not included in this. We can carry on looking where we want to look to. So Allah Ta'ala addresses the women separately. Say to the believing woman that they must lower their gazes as well. And they must protect their chastity. The protection of the gaze, lowering the gaze and protecting the chastity being mentioned side by side. The ulama explained that this is the direct link. That if the gaze is not protected, the chastity will be in danger. Now in this workplace, in this interaction, before getting to that point, the other aspect, the azwaj mutahharat, the pure and chaste wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who are the ummahatul mu'minin, the mothers of the ummah, but they are not the biological mothers. They are the mothers of the ummah. It was haram for anybody to marry any of the azwaj mutahharat after Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam also. So they are the mothers of the ummah. But because they are not the biological mothers, what does the Qur'an Sharif say? The Qur'an Sharif, the first recipients of the Qur'an Sharif were the Sahaba Ikram. 
that band of people who Allah Ta'ala gave them the certificate of his rida radiyallahu anhum wa radu anhum Allah Ta'ala is pleased with them, they are pleased with Allah Ta'ala the world hasn't seen after the Anbiya Ali Wasallam, the earth hasn't seen a band of people, a group of people better than the Sahaba Ikram more noble than the Sahaba Ikram and they are being addressed وَإِذَا سَأَلْتُمُوهُنَّ مَتَاعًا فَاسْأَلُوهُنَّ مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابٍ that Sahaba, if you have to ask the Azwaj Mutahharat the noble and chaste wives of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, the mothers of the Ummad if you have to ask something out of necessity from them how will you do this? مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابٍ from behind the veil, behind the curtain you will maintain this separation and segregation and why? somebody might come later in time and say that no, this applied to the camel ages doesn't apply now in the 20th century we are now living in the supersonic age and whatever else Allah Ta'ala says ذَلِكُمْ أَطْهَرُ لِقُلُوبِكُمْ وَقُلُوبِهِمْ this is purer for your hearts and their hearts now it is inconceivable that the Azwari Mutaharat would have ever entertained any thought that was negative in this nature but Allah Ta'ala is creating this as a precedent that if the Sahaba and the Azwari Mutaharat are addressed in this manner who till the day of Qiyamah can come and claim differently that now my heart is purer my heart doesn't get affected that my heart is now it's insulated Allah Ta'ala is saying this is purer, this segregation is purer for your hearts and their hearts. So now keeping all this in mind, to start off with in the workplace also, no matter what the situation must be, may be, it is totally impermissible to have any kind of seclusion with any non-maharam. Whatever the situation may be, a person has to work around it. Dunya cannot become the reason to compromise deen. Allah Ta'ala is not dependent on our situation to grant us risk. That if we don't do it in this way, then Allah Ta'ala won't give us risk. And if we don't interact in this manner, then Allah Ta'ala will not be able to give us our sustenance. Allah Ta'ala is not dependent on that. We maintain what is our limits, and Allah Ta'ala will create the means. So number one, it is not, not permissible at any level, to interact in a way where there is any kind of seclusion. Now a person is employed somewhere, and being employed now he can't start making the rules there, but he still has to keep his rules. He can't change the rules of the company, but he has to keep his rules in place. That if he has to, out of sheer necessity now, interact with somebody, then number one, he will make parada of the eyes. He will keep his gaze low. There must never ever be any eye contact. There must never be any eye contact. There was in one of the towns in Kezaden, there's one elderly person, he's still living. And one day one Alim was talking to him. So he was quite betakalluf, quite uh, open and free with him. Now he's a person in his maybe late 60s. Now he's in his late 60s. Now he's got some kind of haberdashery shop, whatever, something now where predominantly all his customers are women. So now he says, he's telling this Maulana, he's telling this Alim, that Maulana, these, you know, these ladies come, they come with the parda and all that. 
But now the eyes are open. And now when they want to buy things from me, and now they want to ask something, so many of them now look straight in my eyes, they say, I can't tell you what happens to me. Who is talking now? This person is being frank about it. He's being open, and he's saying this alim. He's in his late 60s. And he's saying now, this woman come and they look at me directly in my eyes. And I can't tell you what happens to me after that. Now this, Allah Ta'ala has already gave us that command up front. So no matter who it might be, it might be one superior, one's uh, junior or anybody, might be one's boss too. But if she's a non-mahram obviously, then there must be no eye contact whatsoever. Now somebody says, but they'll feel offended. Nobody will feel offended. We in a nice way get the message up front. That look, this is a requirement of my deen. Let alone somebody else in the workplace, my own immediate family who are not mahrams to me, the same will apply to them too. It might be my own cousin, but I'm not allowed to shake hands with her. If it's explained, they appreciate it. One person was working for one company for years, and he came to express the same difficulty, and he says, well, I have to go as the company representative on some high-flying meetings and whatever else, and I have to interact with all these different kind of people and often the person on the other end is a woman and I have to shake hands, you know, they put their hand out if I don't shake hands with them then they are going to be offended and then this puts the whole, makes a problem for the company afterwards I told him, look, you, when you go there and now she wants to now start shaking hands, you put your hand on your chest you put your hand on your chest and you say, look, out of respect for you out of respect for you, I am not allowed to touch you I'm not allowed to touch even my own cousin out of respect that this is not permissible for me. And besides blood relatives of a certain level, person, sister, mother, aunt, the khala, and the. So, besides them, I'm not allowed to touch anybody. And this is out of respect for them. So, in any case, after some time, I met him again. He says, I can't tell you the reaction. That some said, you know, we never ever thought about this, never ever considered this in this light. That I'm somebody else's wife. Why should a strange man touch me? She never thought about it. You opened my eyes. Now, if we explain it in a nice way, and don't be too nice about it too, because that might go in another direction. But meaning that in the correct way, explain it in the correct way, then that too will be enough. And they will respect us for our deen. They will respect us for the principles that we stand for. And it's just that if we do it in a way that's now going to create unnecessary problems, then obviously that's a wrong way to go about it. But in a proper way we explain it, people will appreciate it. So that interaction now, number one, seclusion out of the question completely. We'll have to make that obvious and clear. Number two, never any eye contact. Number three, never any pleasantries. There's no need to be discussing the weather with anybody, any non-Maharam. And to find out what happened in the weekend. That is all impermissible talk. And number four, only what has to be spoken out of sheer necessity, just that much which is absolutely necessary and without any pleasantries involved, just matter of fact and done. And never, there should always be a good amount of distance. It mustn't be that the distance is also very close. 
all these things shaitan waits to create havoc in this and these are unspeakable things it shouldn't be spoken in the house of Allah Ta'ala but there are so many incidents that come from time to time where there is so much of fitna that takes place in the workplace and all as a result of this kind of intermingling this casual intermingling, joking, laughing and one thing then leads to another and Allah forbid what not happens thereafter so this is an extremely important thing we need to maintain our deen we need to maintain our principles and as we started off on this note that this say is the shortcut to wilayat this is the biggest test of this zamana person looks after his eyes and if his eyes are looked after he'll look after his heart if his eyes are not looked after his heart won't be in control and when his heart is not in control the heart is king when his heart is corrupted with evil thoughts now when the eye was now just roaming around so then the heart is going to be affected now when the heart is affected the heart is king and the heart has been affected wrongly corrupted in some way now the rest of the body is also going to be corrupted now the body is going to follow the same direction Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us so this is the very crucial thing that we have to maintain these limits Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq any other question? the question was that the upbringing of children what is the procedure and the manner of raising our children in a way that they grow up in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala indeed this is the among the very big challenges of the zamana and time raising children in this time with all the challenges that where a person sometimes under his nose what goes on to he doesn't know because of all the technology and whatever else and then the influences from so many different directions what we have to nevertheless realize and remember is that this is our priority more than everything else in terms of other day to day things the priority is the correct nurturing and tarbiyah of our children this is the real asset and if this asset has been looked after then we will really reap the benefits in dunya also and the real thing is when our eyes close that pious child who makes dua for the parents that have gone that will be the real sadaqah jariya so in any case this tarbiyah is something that starts off right from the very inception there is that incident of one of our kabir name is not in my mind now whether it was somebody that had come to Shah Abdul Aziz perhaps and the child was brought to make his Bismillah now this was something that used to be done with a lot of importance given to it that when the child whatever the child's age now is 4 years 5 years 6 years and now the child is going to be formally starting off the lessons of Quran Sharif meaning the Alif Bata so they would bring the child to some pious personality and have the Bismillah in other words the formal starting off by that personality he will now tell the child read Bismillah the child will recite Bismillah Rahman Rahim, and then after that the Ustad whoever he is will continue from there so this Bismillah was a thing that they gave a lot of importance for the barakat of that starting so in any case this child was brought to Shadul Aziz Rahmatullah or somebody one of the Kabir so he said read Bismillah Rahman Rahim." the child started Bismillah Rahman Rahim, and he continued Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Finished Surah Fatiha Started Surah Baqarah Alif Lam Meem Zalik Al-Kitab Ula Reba Fee He finished off and stopped at the first quarter of Alif Lam 
Now the small child, few years old, four, five years old, and the whole first quarter of the first juice he already knows by heart. This was astonishing. This was something that was really mind-boggling. So they inquired, how does this child know this? Who taught him? He says, no, nobody taught him. His mother was a hafiza of this much. And from his, the time he was born, whenever she was feeding him, etc., she was forever making tilawat. And this tilawat of this, she knew this much, so she was repeatedly making tilawat of this. He became hafiz of it too. From that age, from his, the time he was a little baby, he's been hearing this so much, he became hafiz of it. And according to some, it was, in fact, before he was born already, this was something that his mother used to do repeatedly. So perhaps it was the effect of even before he was born. Now this is where the tarbiyat starts. When a child is born, we have been taught in the sunnah that the azan is called out in the ear of the child. Now this, uh, sometimes a baby that is a few minutes old maybe. Now a few minutes old, but the teaching of Nabi Wasallam is to call out the azan in the ear of the child. Now if this was something that does not have an impact, then Nabi Wasallam won't teach us this. He won't give us this kind of talim. Because Nabi Wasallam won't teach us something futile. But the fact that Nabi Wasallam thought that you give the azan in the ear of the child, that baby that's barely a few minutes old, this is testimony that the heart of the child is being impacted on. That call out the azan and the takbir. And in the azan now you'll be repeatedly saying Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Again at the end another two times. And in between the shahadatain. So this is all now settling in the heart of the child. Now this is the foundation. This is the seed. The seed of the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is being planted. So the tarbiyat started at that point. From the time the azan was given. In fact, even before that. But at that time now, in a formal manner, the tarbiyat already started. There was Sultan Mahmud, who was the king of Afghanistan in his time. And one day, he received the news that his son, who was out in battle against some enemy on the enemy front somewhere. So, the news came now, the enemy line, the, the front line is far away. The news came from there that mm, our army has been defeated and he was the commander, the son of Sultan Mahmud was the commander. Says he's coming back, he, he fled from the battlefield. He fled from the battlefield and is returning in this manner. So he came now home very, very grieved, very down, very grieved. So his wife saw his face and she realized something is amiss. So she asked him what happened. He said, no, don't worry. He didn't want to speak about it. So she persisted, what's, what's the problem? So he said, well, this is the news that we've received. That your son, this is, well, whether he said it, your son or not, but this is normally what happens, that when the son has done something wrong, the father comes home and says, see what your son did. I you done something right? He says, see my son what he did. <laughs> so when he's wrong, then he's my son. When he's right, then he's my son. So any case, he said, look, well, we'll just say our son. <laughs> so he says, the news has come that our son is returning defeated, but that's not the real issue, that he fled from the battlefield. So when he told her this, she said, impossible. He said, impossible. 
he said now who's gonna argue with this woman now and woman say something then was just rather leave it because now you're not gonna win so he first tried to explain to her that this is our own intelligence services however that intelligence of that zamana worked our own people have brought this message it's not some other and it's credible it's something that is reliable he said impossible I will never accept this so he let it be let it go after one or two days now obviously it was a long journey before they would return after one or two days again there was he walks in the home very happy and she asked what happened two few days ago you came in so grieved and now you're walking in very happy so he says no now there has been some confirmation that that original news was wrong actually he was victorious they are returning victory they didn't flee from the battlefield they were returning after having conquered the enemy so the original news was wrong in any case now that alhamdulillah this good news came so he was very happy but then he asked her that hold on how come you were so sure about it fine now we got this reconfirmation but how could you we are sitting here we are not there neither am I there neither are you there how did you say with this with so much of determination that impossible he can't have fled the battlefield so she said don't worry about that he says no you now must tell me so she said after he was born there was never a time that I fed him milk without wudu now this is easy to just say it the child needs milk at any time sometimes in the middle of the night sometimes in the midst of some kind of busy moment sometimes in something sometimes in something else and she says I never ever fed him milk once without wudu and I am convinced that the child has, who has been brought up in this manner he can give his life but he can't be a coward he'll become shaheed but he won't flee from the battlefield so this if you said he became martyred I would have accepted that but you said he fled from the battlefield I couldn't accept that that my child can't be a coward because I brought him up in this manner so now this is where the tarbiyat starts now unfortunately we tend to take it for granted that that child is still small so he's small now let it carry on she's small now let it carry on everything is fine everything will carry on fine so now we dress her up like somebody from Hollywood she's still small we dress him up like maybe he's coming from Bollywood he's still small all kinds of things are they are exposed to all kinds of things cartoons is like a child's plaything there was one research done years ago I still have that cutting with me so one of the things in that research was that cartoons such as now this was what was written there such as Dennis the Menace teach children that to be rude is cute now the child is watching this or reading it or whatever the case is it appears like just some harmless entertainment but there are messages that are settling in the heart if that azan can have an impact on that heart when the child is barely a few minutes old perhaps just born and the azan is being given if that azan has an impact then these things also have an impact many years ago one of the places around in Durban there was one kindergarten class and the appa that was teaching so our children about 5-6 years of age so she was doing some kind of 
whatever, some, just talking to them and doing some kind of group work. So she, that at that time there was something happening on some kind of series on television which was uh, the, the Power Rangers, something like that. So in any case now she started asking a class of Muslim children in a Muslim kindergarten. So now she started asking these children one lot of things and then at their level she asked them a question, who is greater? Allah, Nauzubillah to even relate this, Nakle kufr kufr nabashad, to relate this is now just for the sake of Ibrad, she asked them the question, who is greater, Allah or the Power Rangers? Now what a question. And she wrote this report herself and then forwarded it, that out of a class of about 17, about 6 children said, Nauzubillah Power Rangers coming from Muslim homes. A child coming from a Muslim home in whose ear the azan was given, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar was the seeds of Allahu Akbar were embedded in the heart of the child. But that influence over time uprooted that, eroded that. Now that child is actually verbalizing, Nauzubillah, that power ranges is greater. Now this is where this, already the influences are sitting from that age. Now in that home, if these are the influences, then it's a very difficult thing. Then when the child grows up, this is what that replays thereafter. And there are, every other day there's some emails that are, just probably in the past few days that have come. Now our mother is saying that, I try to discipline my children. Sometimes, once in a while, if I have to hit my child, my child hits me back. Now this is something unheard of previously. But this is not an isolated thing anymore. So now this tarbiyat starts off right at that age. And the tarbiyat is not something at that age that is happening, that's supposed to happen in a formal manner. It starts off in an informal way and it's ongoing. Talking about the greatness of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is all-knowing. Allah Ta'ala knows what you are doing. Allah Ta'ala is the greatest. Allah Ta'ala grants us rizq. Allah Ta'ala is the provider. In the child's level, obviously. And incidents of the Sahaba Ikram, incidents of the Ambiyali Musram, obviously, the incidents of the Sahaba Ikram, incidents of the pious, but structured and brought down to the level of the child. Unfortunately, we read to our children bedtime stories, bedtime stories that have been presented by people who have no Iman. What bedtime stories are they going to tell? What kind of morals are they going to give the child? So, these are the incidents of the Sahaba Ikram, etc. to be talking to our children from time to time and keeping the negative influences away. Then, as they grow up, the company they keep. That is the crucial thing. The company of a person will make him or break him. Al-mar'u ala deeni khalilihi falyamzur ahadukum may yukhalil. A person follows the way of his friend. He follows what his friends take him to. If he's in good company, even if he doesn't want to start doing the good, he'll end up doing it. If he's in bad company, no matter how good he may be in himself, he'll drift in that direction. The company has a very, very deep impact on the person. So the company is crucial. Human company, and then company of things. Like we discussed earlier, after Asar, the devices, they all company. The books that a person reads, this is company. One girl in her teens wrote a few days ago that she made Toba several years ago 
And what her habit was reading novels. She used to read all kinds of novels. Now she made Toba a few years ago. She says she still has flashbacks of some things that were read that time, four or five years ago. And it just attacks her mind in such a way that she gets just washed away, all kinds of haram thoughts. Now she's asking for some kind of way to stay away from this or, or to be safe from this kind of situation or how to handle this when it happens so it doesn't get carried away and then all the wrong inclinations start now when that happened Toba was made but the effects of that are still carrying on so to keep all these wrong this is also company what a person reads one is the effect on the akhlaq sometimes a person is reading things which are taking the iman away the wrong aqaid, the wrong kinds of things that are being put out by so many different deviant sects and people are reading anything and everything so to be conscious about all that and keep track of all these things, what our children are reading, where they are going, what company they are keeping and this is a little mujahada in the initial stages but this is an investment that we will reap the benefit of for life in terms of girls as they grow up their task in life is what we have to prepare them for unfortunately this influence from the west the influence from the west is the so called gender equality gender equality that there is no difference between male and female everybody must be man and woman so now whatever the brother does the sister must do if the brother is aspiring to become something in the same field the sister will also carry on but now what is the end result? What her primary function was for a healthy society when Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha got married, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam apportioned the duties. Tabaqat ibn Saad etc. in places this has been recorded. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ali radiallahu ta'ala anha, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam told him, you'll take care of all the duties outside the house. And Fatima radiallahu anha, you'll take care of the duties inside the house. Now this is her role to become a good wife, a good mother to her children and it is these mothers like Sultan Mahmud's wife she raised that son who would have given his life but would have never been a coward so behind these great personalities are the mothers by and large so Imam Bukhari read his life his biography and you see his mother in the picture so many incidents these when the mothers fulfill their role, then the people that changed the world came into, into being. But these mothers had a very deep impact on them. Hazrat Shaykh al-Hadith, in his Abbiti also, he mentions about the encouragement and how his, the woman of the family would guide him on what he should be doing. The tarbiyat of his father is really astounding. But even the woman of the family, how, what role they played. So this is her role in life, to become a good wife and a good mother, then this creates that stable household. One girl wrote one email asking for some advice, there was some now marital problem, she was married for less than a year and she is giving her own story. And this is something very remarkable that somebody brings out their own weakness, their own fault. Normally especially in a marital dispute it's always almost always the case that each one is the innocent party and the opposite party is at fault both parties are innocent 
from their own perspective and both parties are totally at fault from the other person's perspective. So, But here this was a bit different. So she's writing herself and she's saying that there is this turbulence in the marriage, things are going really out of hand. But then she's stating that I come from a family where everything was done for me. I have this family background that I was never taught any responsibility. Every luxury, every comfort was found and now she carried on her life in an academic line so there was no time to teach her homemaking. And homemaking is not a cause that is taught by a textbook. This is something that came down from mother to daughter and in many a household simultaneously from grandmother to granddaughter also. At many a times there would have been this refrain when that girl did something that was not the most appropriate thing there would be this refrain. In the olden days this was a very common thing that this refrain would be that when you go to your mother-in-law's house what are you going to do? This was the normal refrain. This is how you're going to carry on your mother-in-law's house. Now this was a way of actually training that to do this this way, don't do it this way. Because tomorrow you have to be in somebody else's house. You're not going to remain here forever. And that is a time when now you're going to have to take the responsibility on your own shoulders. Because the mother will talk differently. The mother-in-law may not necessarily talk the same way. One person, he was actually just saying something. Somebody was advising him. The person was advising him in the wrong way. So he said, look, I appreciate your advice. I appreciate your advice. But one request that I would have probably the person was giving advice every now and again but the manner of the advice was not correct the tone etc was not appropriate so he said to him look I appreciate your advice but one request I would appreciate it if you advise me like a mother advising a daughter not like a mother-in-law advising a daughter-in-law <laughs> so that is not necessarily the case all the time but unfortunately that is how sometimes it becomes that the same thing, if the mother says it, she'll say it differently. To her own daughter, she'll say it differently. And the same thing, the same person is saying it to her daughter-in-law, she'll say it differently. The tone will be different, or the choice of words will be different. Now, that should not be the case, but the lesson in this is, that this was the refrain as a part of training. Nowadays what happens is, that now she must become something in the academic line. In any case, she's carrying on her life in that line. Suddenly now she's already 19, 20, 22. Now there's a good proposal. So now there's a good proposal, so what? But she hasn't learned anything how to, how to run a home, how to make a home. So now she's given a crash cause in homemaking. And generally crash causes lead to crashes. So now this girl is herself acknowledging that I come from a home where everything was done for me. I was never taught responsibility. Just close to marriage, I was just given some kind of training. But now the system that is in me is different. I'm more inclined to be sitting with some books. I'm not inclined to be in the kitchen. So I can't do this. But this is leading to the problems in my marriage. Now that's a very telling thing that somebody from her own side is acknowledging that this is where my problem is. And this is contributing to the issue. So now this was... The tarbiyat of that girl required that she be nurtured for homemaking. 
and that creates a stable household. So, any case, tarbiyat is a very vast subject in itself. There are some good, authentic literature on this subject as well. We should be acquiring this upbringing of children. There are several as ulama'i kiram, inshallah, they'll guide us towards authentic literature. And a lot of it is, if we stick to two things, one is that we read these things that are authentically produced and have been written authentically. The other is we take mashwara from our seniors. What I should be doing now? My son is now so many years old, what next? My daughter has now become of age, what next now? If we keep making mashwara from our seniors, the ulama kiram or mashayikh, and in their guidance we follow, we don't just because everybody is doing something, we have to do it. If we keep to the mashwara of those who have taqwa in their lives, they are senior, they have knowledge and ilm and piety, then inshallah we'll be saved from many pitfalls. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq in the inshallah. Much time has already gone in this, inshallah. There was some suggestions that we should have a short zikr and dua thereafter. Anything else? If anything else, anybody wants to ask, short one, two, few minutes more, we can just maybe take. Mashallah, this is the month of Ramadan. And the question is how to get our du'as accepted. So du'a, du'a is mukhul ibadah. It is the essence of ibadat. Du'a is a very great ibadat. It is the essence of ibadat. And in the life of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you find du'a upon du'a upon du'a. So our day must not go without du'a also. But the crucial thing is acceptance of du'a. One is in terms of acceptance of du'a, so among the things, one very crucial aspect is the consumption of halal. In one hadith, Nabi Wasallam gives the description of a person who's been journeying, now journeying obviously in that context through the desert, and dust laden, and he's disheveled, and his clothes are laden with dust. In other words, a very pitiable condition he's in. So anybody sees him, their heart will melt. And now this person in this pitiable condition is making dua. Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi. Now in other words, if insan sees him also, they'll feel sorry for him. Allah Ta'ala is the most merciful. But Nabi Salaam says, Wa mat'amuhu haram, wa mashrabuhu haram, wa malbasuhu haram, wa hudhiya bil haram. His food, his drink, his clothing, his nourishment wasn't halal. It was some taint, something tainted. Now this becomes a barrier to the acceptance of dua. So this is something to be very conscious about. Not necessarily that this will be something deliberate, but many a times there are things because of lack of knowledge or because of not consulting the ulama ikram, we sometimes do things which we thought were right, but they are wrong. Many a times a person comes and he's discussing some transaction he's done. And he's not even talking about it in the form of asking that is this right or wrong. He's like just giving some message and news that see how smart I am, what a wonderful deal I did. But that so-called wonderful deal of his was 100% riba. Then words were different. He gave, somebody did a deal with him and he gave the person an X amount of money and he invested it with him and the person is going to give him 20% returns on the investment. Now invest 20% of what? He says, no, I invested 100,000, so I'm going to get 20% of 100,000. I say, well then, what's the difference between interest and that? 
20% of 100,000 you're going to get as returns. What returns is this? This is 100% riba. But now the name became investment, the name became return, the name became profit. So suddenly it became fine. Now when that becomes a situation, now the person is consuming that. So now that becomes a barrier. He might raise his hands in Arafat also, but his dua is going to be stuck. He can hold the ghilaf of the Kaaba Sharif, he can be at Multazam also, but his dua is going to be totally rejected. So one is that we have to then check. And this is not an isolated thing. This is unfortunately a very common thing. Every other, now and again, somebody sometimes is asking, sometimes the person is not even asking, he's just talking. And it's clear that, or oh, sometimes via some third party something comes up. That this is a deal, is this deal in order, so and so now did this deal already. So we have to be very conscious, especially we doing something out of the ordinary, we check, we find out, is this correct? Come to the Muftiyan Ikram, come to the Ulama Ikram and ask them. Then the other thing is that there are certain special times of dua. We try and take advantage of those special times. One is the time of tahajjud, that is the last one third portion of the night. Allah Ta'ala Himself calls out. So that is a very special time of dua. Together with that is dua bain al adhanain the dua between the two azans, meaning azan and iqamad. Except the time of dua. In the month of Ramadan, dua before iftar. And at other times also, the dua after the fard salah, it doesn't necessarily have to happen immediately after the fard. As soon as after the fard, quickly a person should start off with his sunnahs. But all that is included in that. Dubur salawat il maktubat. So after the fard salah, after his sunnahs also dua. Then they are the special places of dua, the Haramain Sharifain, etc., the Mubarak places, they are the special occasions that come in the year. So this is dua, then a person makes dua, he, the adab of dua, the etiquettes of dua, first there's hamd, the praises of Allah Ta'ala, sana, and then durood upon Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then uh, acknowledging a person's sins and weaknesses, and then asking from the heart. One is to make some, recite some of the masnoon du'as for the barakat of these du'as, the du'as of the Qur'an and Sunnah. But then to ask, one is reciting du'as. The thing is to ask. Ask in the language that one can ask best. Ask from the heart. Inna Allah la yasma'u du'a qalbin lahin. Allah Ta'ala does not listen to the du'a of an inattentive heart. That the heart is somewhere else in some thought and the tongue is asking something. Then the person sometimes doesn't know what he's asking. He's saying something and he's asked. So, this, these are some of the things that should be borne in mind. This is what enhances that dua. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq inshallah. Anything else anybody? According to those two things you mentioned, nothing because there's nothing zero, so, so everything is zero. Oh, the thing is that whenever that appointed time is, when he's meant to appear, whether we want him to appear or not, he's going to appear. And when he does appear, what we are supposed to do then, that will be of importance then. And now that he hasn't appeared, what is of importance to us now is what we have to focus on. 
our knowing when he might come and might not come is not going to affect that in any way. What is to be done is that we keep with the amal that are supposed to be done. Whatever our personal amal are and also working on our own iman, the iman of others, encouraging others, this is what's required. One person came to ask one alim about the battle of Karbala, that who was right and wrong. So he said to him that, look, when you are asked this question in the Qabr, then you must say that you came to ask me, I didn't give you the answer. And if you are asked on the day of Qiyamah also, you must give the same answer. That you ask me, I refuse to tell you. So then no worry, they'll come and ask me afterwards. <laughs> what he meant to say actually was, that you don't worry about this, you won't be asked about this in the Qabr. You won't be asked about this on the day of Qiyamah also. So likewise, that Mahdi radiallahu anhu, this is established from authentic hadith that he will appear, there are various, some signs that have been described as well. But these are not things that we can really pinpoint. These are not things that we are even obliged to even get into. What we should be focusing on is, what's our day-to-day amal, inshallah. Jazakallah. Just told us this will be the last question, so we'll go by that, inshallah. Jazakallah. Inshallah, we'll make zikr for a few minutes, and then make dua, inshallah. reported in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that a person who recites la ilaha illallah hundred times daily Allah ta'ala will cause his face to shine like the 14th moon on the day of qiyamat what this means is inshallah with the barakat of this daily recitation Allah ta'ala will grant him the tawfiq of righteous a'mal Allah ta'ala will make this a means of his staying away from sin inshallah and this will become the means of gaining this great honor on the day of qiyamat when reciting la ilaha then to bring to mind that everything in the heart, whatever, all the evils, filth, whatever wrong, whatever haram desires, all the illicit things, everything that is ghayrullah, all this we have taken, the ego, all this has been taken and thrown out. In a dirty, filthy manner, all this has come out of our hearts. And illallah, there is a nur that is descending into the heart, which is the love of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala, give us the tawfiq to make the zikr daily, inshallah. <coughs> recite the root sharia Allahumma salli ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala sayyidina Muhammad wa sahbihi wa la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa ashabihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran kathira ya rabbi salli wa sallim daiman abada ala habibika khayril khalqi kullihimi jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu la ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah 
دل میرا ہو جا ایک میدان تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو غیر سے بالکل ہی اٹھ جائے نظر تو ہی تو آئے نظر دیکھو جدر اور میرے تن میں بجائے آبوں گل درد دل ہو درد دل ہو درد دل نفس و شیپا دونوں نے مل کر ہائی کیا ہے مجھ کو تباہ اے میرے مولا میری مدد کر چاہتا ہوں میں تیری پناہ مجھ سا خلق میں کوئی نہیں گو بد کردار ناماسیہ تو بھی مگر غفار ہے یا رب بخش دے میرے سارے گناہ اب تو رہے بس تادم آخر وردے زبائے میرے الہ نہائی نہائی 
ഹമ്മ <تصفيق> ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا ندهما ولا مفتونين ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد اذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمه انك انت الوهاب ربنا انك جامع الناس اليوم لا ريب فيه ان الله لا يخلف الميعاد اللهم ثبتنا على الايمان وامتنا على الايمان واحشرنا يوم القيامه مع الايمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم انا نسالك العفو والعافيه والمعافاه الدائمه في الدين والدنيا والاخره والفوز بالجنه والنجاه من النار والفوز بالجنه والنجاه من النار والفوز بالجنه والنجاه من النار اللهم ات نفوسنا تقواها اللهم ات نفوسنا تقواها اللهم ات نفوسنا تقواها وزكها انت خير من زكاها انت وليها ومولاها اللهم اهدنا لاحسن الاخلاق لا يهدي لاحسنها الا انت واصرف عنا سيئها لا يصرف عنا سيئها الا انت اللهم اهدنا واهد بنا واجعلنا سببا لمن اهتدى اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اجعلنا هداة مهتدين غير ضالين ولا مضلين اله العالمين يا الله most merciful most gracious most kind most loving Allah اله العالمين يا الله يا الله we acknowledging all the wrongs we have done يا الله يا الله there is nothing we can hide from you يا الله 
Ya Allah, we have been such ungrateful, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, such ungrateful servants of yours, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, every moment, Ya Allah, your unlimited ni'mats and bounties we use, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all your favors have been showered upon us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, despite this, Ya Allah, we have been so disobedient, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, from head to toe we are covered in sin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, our eyes are filled with filth, Ya Allah. Our ears are filled with filth, Ya Allah. Our tongues have been soiled with the filth of ghibat and so many sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, our hearts are filled with so much of filth, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, from head to toe we are covered in filth, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, but you are the most pure, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you are one drop of, Ya Allah, rahmat will purify us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we are begging the showers of your rahmat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you begging, we are begging the showers of your maghfirat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you shower down your maghfirat upon us, Ya Allah. Shower down your rahmat upon us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive all our major and minor sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our relatives, Ya Allah. Forgive our friends, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, forgive the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the suffering of the ummah, Ya Allah. Remove the hardships of the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we acknowledge whatever is happening is due to our ill deeds, Ya Allah. This is all the result of our sins, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, you forgive us and forgive the entire ummah, Ya Allah. Give us and the entire ummah the tawfiq of those a'mal that bring down your rahmat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us and the entire ummah from those a'mal that bring down azab, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, save us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Save us from all the trials and temptations, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we are very weak, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, don't leave us to ourselves, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you protect us and guide us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, don't leave us to the blink of an eye to ourselves, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, if you leave us to ourselves, we become the muscles of nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, you guide us, you protect us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant your protection at every moment, Ya Allah. From every direction, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, protect our children, Ya Allah. Protect our families, Ya Allah. Protect the entire ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you grant us your love, Ya Allah. Grant us your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make your muhabbat and your love the most beloved thing to us, Ya Allah. Allahumma rzuqna hubbak, wa hubba man yuhibbuk, wa hubba amali yuballighuna hubbak. Allahumma al-hubbak ahubba ilayna min anfusina, wa ahlina, wa min al-ma'a il-barid. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah, fill our hearts with the love of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, grant us the love of his mubarak sunnah, Ya Allah. Enable us to live the mubarak sunnah, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, remove the ways of Yahud and Nasara from our lives, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from following the ways of Yahud and Nasara, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah, grant us the mindset of Islam, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the mindset that Nabi Islam taught, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, grant us the spirit of the Quran and the sunnah, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah, save us from all the isms, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you grant us kamil hidayat, Ya Allah. Grant us complete and perfect hidayat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from every evil, Ya Allah. Save us from everything that will displease you, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah, remove all the evil qualities from our hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fill our hearts with the beautiful qualities, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, give us taqwa, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, bless us with taqwa, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, bless us with taqwa, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, bless us with inabat, Ya Allah. Bless us with ruju, Ya Allah. Bless us with khushu and khudu, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, bless us with tawakkul, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, bless us with all these sifat, Ya Allah. That Nabi Islam taught, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, bless us with the akhlaq of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, grant us the beautiful and noble qualities of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, save us from all the evil qualities, Ya Allah. Purify us from all the evil qualities, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah. You give us the tawfiq of performing our five times salah with jama'ah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the tawfiq of khushu and khudu in our salah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us such a salah with you, which with you are pleased with, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah. Enable us to fulfill all the laws of deen, Ya Allah. Save us from every sin, Ya Allah. 
Allah, save us from all these sins, Ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the eyes, Ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the ears and tongue, Ya Allah. From the sins of the hands and feet, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from the sins of the heart, Ya Allah. Allah, remove the malice, the jealousy, the hatred, the envy, the pride, the arrogance from our hearts, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, you save us from the traps of nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Allah, you grant us halal and tayyib rizq, Ya Allah. Grant us halal and tayyib rizq, Ya Allah. Save us from every drop and every grain of haram, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, you grant barakat in each one's rizq, Ya Allah. Allah, grant barakat in each one's rizq, Ya Allah. Allah, those who are without jobs, give them good jobs, Ya Allah. Give them halal and tayyib rizq, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Throughout the ummah, wherever the Muslims are suffering, Ya Allah. Allah, you remove their suffering, Ya Allah. Allah, those who are without shelter, give them shelter to live in, Ya Allah. Those who are without food to eat, give them food to eat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Fill the hearts with hidayat, Ya Allah. Fill the hearts with hidayat, Ya Allah. Allah, remove the oppression from the Muslims, Ya Allah. Allah, hold back the hands of the oppressors, Ya Allah. Allah, if hidayat is not, Ya Allah, give them hidayat as well, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, if hidayat is not decreed for them, Ya Allah, wipe them out from the face of this earth, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you accept all the work of deen that is taking place, Ya Allah. Accept the work of the Madaris and Makatib, Ya Allah. Accept the work of the Khanqas, Ya Allah. Accept the work of the organizations of deen, Ya Allah. Accept the work of Dawat and Tabligh, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, throughout the world, wherever the Jamaat are making an effort, accept it, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make all the work of deen a means of hidayat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant complete ikhlas and sincerity to one and all, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, grant us the way of the Sunnah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, keep us confined to the way of the Sunnah, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, save us from every deviation, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all those who have passed away, fill their covers with noor, Ya Allah. Make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, those of our parents who are living, give barakat in their lives, barakat in their health. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, enable us to earn Jannah through service to them, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, those of parents who have passed away, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Grant them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Give them a special place in Allah, Illiyin, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, you have mercy upon them as they had mercy upon us, Ya Allah. Rabbi Rahmuhuma Kama Rabbayana Sigara. Rabbi Rahmuhuma Kama Rabbayana Sigara. Rabbi Rahmuhuma Kama Rabbayana Sigara. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, those who have passed away, Ya Allah, further qabaz with nur, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, at the time of our death, take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Allah, take us on iman e kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on tawbat and nasuh, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from death in a condition of sin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from death in a condition of sin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us khatma bil khair, Ya Allah. Allahu alamin, Ya Allah, make our qabaz gardens of jannah for us, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, fill our covers with noor, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the shafat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, give us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, don't take us to task over the day of Qiyamah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, don't make us account for anything, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, there is nothing we can present, Ya Allah. Our a'mal are so weak, Ya Allah. Our a'mal are broken, Ya Allah. Our intentions are broken, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, everything is broken, Ya Allah. What can we present before you, Ya Allah? Ya Allah, don't take us to task over the day of Qiyamah, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, out of your mercy, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from the fire of Jahannam, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from the fire of Jahannam, Ya Allah. اللهم أعتق رقابنا من النار اللهم أعتق رقابنا من النار اللهم أعتق رقابنا من النار يا الله يسيب سندفاي وجهنم يا الله يا الله we cannot tolerate the heat of the sun of this dunya يا الله which is thousands and millions of miles away from us يا الله Allah, where can we tolerate the fire of Jahannam, Ya Allah? Allah, you save us from the fire of Jahannam, Ya Allah. You give us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, you save our families from the fire of Jahannam, Ya Allah. You save our relatives and friends from the fire of Jahannam, Ya Allah. Save the entire Ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
Allah, you guide us and the entire ummah to your pleasure, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. All those who are sick, give them shifai, kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Allah, remove every trace of the illness, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, give them complete cure and afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, those who are in any type of problems and difficulties, give them complete relief from it, Ya Allah. Allah, those who are in anxieties, depression, worry, stress, Ya Allah, you remove their stress and worries, Ya Allah. You grant happiness to the hearts, Ya Allah. Grant tranquility and sukoon, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, unite the hearts, Ya Allah. Allah, unite the hearts of spouses, Ya Allah. Allah, unite the hearts of parents and children, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of brothers and sisters, Ya Allah. Allah, unite the hearts of family members, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of the Ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Hame ek or nek banaya Allah. Hame ek or nek banaya Allah. Hame ek or nek banaya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, in this Mubarak month, whatever time has already passed, Ya Allah. We do not use it correctly, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. Allah, you forgive us, Ya Allah. Enable us to use the rest of this Mubarak month correctly, Ya Allah. Allah, you bless us with the wealth of taqwa, Ya Allah. Allah, you grant us ikhlas e kamil, Ya Allah. Allah, you grant us all the great qualities of deen, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, all those who ask us to make dua for them. Allah, you grant them the best of dunya and akhirat, Ya Allah. Allah, remove all their difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Allah, remove all their pain and suffering, Ya Allah. Allah, you fulfill all their needs from the ghayb, Ya Allah. Fulfill all their pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Allah, you grant them, Ya Allah, your qurb, Ya Allah. You grant them your raza and pleasure, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all those who have raised their dua, hands to this dua, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you are the of the unseen, Ya Allah. You know what is the cry of each one's heart, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you make each one your wali kamil, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, you remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. You fulfill each one's needs from the ghayb, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. You grant afiyat to each one, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, you grant the best of dunya and akhirah to each one, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, in this Mubarak month, Ya Allah, we are begging you, Ya Allah. We are begging you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you make us yours and become ours, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you make us yours and become ours, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we have you, we have everything, Ya Allah. We don't have you, we have nothing, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you make us yours and become ours, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you guide us, Ya Allah, to that which is pleasing to you, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, all the good that Rasulullah Wasallam begged for. Ya Allah, we are also begging for all that good, Ya Allah. Whatever Nabi Islam sought refuge from, Ya Allah, we are also begging protection from it, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri masta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balaag wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-ali al-azim jazallahu anna nabiyana Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين